1: Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the effects of isolation on the mind. Boy, you know, by now you've probably noticed uh, a big divide among your friends. (laughs) You know, social distancing and self-imposed quarantine, you know, wears on and uh, more workplaces are having people at home uh, work out of their homes. And so this outbreak has left many people more alone than they've ever been in a long time or or ever, period. I mean. Some are responding by, you know, being cozy in their domesticity, uh, making bread, reading books, taking long baths. You know, others are starting to uh, unwind and, and not feel so good. So they're FaceTiming with their friends as a necessity, not a luxury. And the closure of the favorite coffee shop, especially here in Seattle, is major cause for tears. And uh, the walls seem to be closing in. You know so be kind to your local extroverts uh, you know they're having a hard time you know extra uh, experts suggest that the negative feelings and experiences that are associated with prolonged isolation will come for all of us humans are we we are just social creatures that's all there is to it and, uh, all of us are and while this epidemic and pandemic is very extreme it's largely unprecedented moment. And so the kind of seclusion that's been eating at people over the last few weeks is not just uncommon as an experience that you might imagine, but the impacts of social isolation on your bodies and your minds have been felt. And they've actually studied what isolation does to different people, uh, from astronauts to to people that are incarcerated uh, to, uh, you know, amino-compromised uh, people, uh, children especially, uh, Antarctic researchers, um, and, and the elderly. And the patterns that have emerged from these experiences and the radical aloneness illuminates a whole lot of ways to understand and improve our own. Um, you know, first off, it's important to remember that isolation doesn't just numb your brain with boredom, you know, but people start getting lethargic when they don't have positive inputs, into their world and so we you know we expect depression to kick in and then depression and anxiety or as we've explored in a previous program come together and the symptoms are likely to be particularly intense during this uh coronavirus related isolation and so you know that the, there is this uh, oftentimes you you experience a letdown but when you're in a situation like we are in you, you it's not uncertain how long you'll be asked to maintain this thing and that produces a lot of anxiety as well because you don't know when you're getting out you don't know when you're going to be able to get back into life and how that's going to look and what steps are going to be taken you know when people uh, are kept in, in in a solitary environment um especially in remote regions um And they know that their time to come back is nearly up and they know when they're coming back, there's a different kind of mindset than just sitting here in limbo like all of us are. And so, um, you know, there is a there's the light at the end of the tunnel, whereas here we don't know what that light's going to look like or when that light's going to flicker on. And so we also have to look at the negative psychological impact um, about the confusion about what's going on, not having clear guidelines, getting different messages from different organizations different uh, local governments, different uh, governors and then and then our federal government and so you know far more uh, in, uh, governments including the United States have really have some have heeded the advice and some have not heeded the advice and and perhaps, What's more concerning is that the psychological strain of loneliness manifests physiologically. Um, you know, there's been studies, there was a guy, that Harry Taylor, that did a study and uh, that people's overall well-being oftentimes takes, takes a mortality effect like smoking uh, cigarettes or getting back into alcohol or uh, pre-existing medical conditions for lack of exercise. Uh, cardiovascular disease, uh, Alzheimer's, but but all these ill effects aren't limited to those people over 60, you know, there's a lot of people that have studied uh, radical changes in the bodies of people that have been in like space flights. These young, uh, trained people, not in a condition of a real threat, but the pure fact of being confined affects the body. And if you change your environment in a quite extreme way, it changes you. And so, you know, if you're isolated, let's say, for maybe three months, um, experience changes in your sleep, changes in your immune system, and in in your endocrine, and and in your uh, neurocognitive systems. And all there's alterations to your metabolism. So being confined and isolated affects our physiology as a whole. You know Does that mean our body's going to go crazy? Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what everyone looks like after the fact. Um but uh, you know, God forbid, especially if you can't go to get get your hair cut. So I know I look like a, a hairy gorilla um right now. So you know, anyone who's marginalized is more likely to have more uh limited social network, um like an LBTQ uh, community or a survivor of, of abuse. Um, these people may not have many friends or a friend to call or may be unable to do so. And so some have um, t- technology as a mean of connecting, but lower income groups may not have the FaceTime and the Skype or the minutes on their phone. And so people take that for granted and using their devices can be a strain on people's incomes, particularly uh, if this has left them out of a job. You know, it's minority uh People are going to be hit particularly hard because they often work in service industries, which increases the risk for social isolation and loneliness, and and uh, coronavirus. And it could create an economic and social major recession if that, uh, in fact, is not looked at, and then and then those people are assisted. You know, but why is isolation so difficult for humans to to? Uh, really get there to withstand it to be resilient so one of the reasons that living in isolation is difficult because humans as social creatures many people that have lived in uh, isolated environments um, report that loneliness can be the most difficult part of a job And, and let's face it time on your hands is one of the most destructive things to a human being too much time in their hands when people have too much time on their hands and they don't know what to do to it. They do things that are destructive, oftentimes. You know, um, there's people that have uh, survived uh, in the Amazon, and, and their loneliness is what they suffered the most. So most people are afraid to be lonely, and and it can be damaging. Um, you know, uh, people that are uh, less able to deal with stressful situations. Um, are socially some socially isolated people stress that is very stressful to them to have to be caged in a, in, a, in a small little place or in their home and not being able to really get out and do anything. Um, they are so uh, people that are socially isolated have a propensity to feel a lot more depressed. And so uh, and they have problems processing information many times. And this this can lead to difficulties with decision making, memory storage, and it's likely it could lead to an illness. So, you know, people uh, who are lonely are much more susceptible to illnesses um, because they ruminate on it and, and they may be overcompromised and then I end up getting something or then they deny, 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 like they may go out. and and put themselves in danger, and then all of a sudden, bang, they get sick. But the impacts of social isolation become worse when people are placed in physically isolating environments for for like like solitary confinement can have a really negative psychological effects on prisoners, including significant increases in anxiety and panic attacks and increased levels of paranoia and being less able to really think very clearly. Many prisoners have reported long-term mental health problems after being isolated. Um, there's, you know, they they could spend endless hours and days completely isolated, which can make them susceptible to their captor's orders, let's say if they're kidnapped, or manipulations. And, and people that are alone in the dark, the effects of isolation can become even more pronounced if you experience it in total darkness, causing your physical and your psychological consequences. So, when you're um, complete darkness, when you're isolated in complete darkness that can really mess up your sleep cycle. Um, you know, two of the, the key mechanisms for a sleep cycle is melatonin, which is what your brain uh, manufactures, that's why babies sleep so long, and the brain's a superchasmic uh, nucleus, and so the daylight reduces our levels of melatonin, and it helps us feel awake. And daylight, daylight also uh, resets our waking time of our sleep cycles. Uh, and then our sleep cycles will start to drift. And so without daylight, our 24-hour circadian rhythm can all of a sudden be altered. And so that can mess people up as far as sleep is concerned. You know, people like it, there's a reason there. there's uh, from what I've heard, people that explore like cave systems may find their sleep cycle becomes disrupted. And that, that means that every time they feel like going to sleep, it, it they don't have a regular pattern, and so that shifts every day. And so, basically, they, they have a lot of trouble, people that work in minds and things like that. This disruption to the circadian rhythm also makes us feel depressed and fatigued. Um, people that don't get sleep or good sleep uh, oftentimes do feel depressed. They feel irritable. They feel angry. They're very quick to anger. Their emotional uh, abilities, their emotional vocabulary, emotional intelligence— is uh, very narrow when they're tired. So, the brain is just going to go to the easiest things. And so, um, also people that are socially isolated can experience hallucinations because the lack of stimulus causes people to uh, have internal thoughts. So, they go internal instead of external and and then their feelings, uh, as they occur in the Uh, inner environment that they're in come forward and create hallucinations where they escape and imagine, you know, something is uh, like the ceiling is all of a sudden like a a starry sky or something like that, you know, and um, people in total isolation also oftentimes feel like there's a ghostly presence or someone that watches them. And so while the impact of isolation can be severe, you know, there's some good news. The, The effects are reversible. And so exposure to daylight can, um, uh, for some people who've been held in isolation against their will, may develop a long-term mental health conditions like PTSD. But some people who have faced the challenge of being alone for an extended period of time may see it as a time of personal growth, including emotional growth and feeling closer to their families and friends, having a better perspective on life, having a better perspective on faith. If they believe in God, maybe they develop a much better prayer life. Maybe they develop a more centered, uh, feeling a sense of centeredness with God. There also may be uh, people exploring ways that their life can give back in a better way to others. And many people might be rethinking their careers and they could use this time to rebuild and get a momentum and move their life into something that they're more passionate about. But um, you got to define isolation and, and it's, it's the experience of being separated from others and, and it may result in being physically separated such as when a person lives in a remote area. But also can result from emotionally re- being re- emotionally removed from, let's say, a community, or where you feel some people have betrayed you, or you feel like you don't like some people. Um, so, an isolated person usually has low self-esteem, usually has loneliness. If they allow it to get to them, and they're not productive with it, so over time, a person may develop a social anxiety, or depression, or other concerns. And so, you know, it's not a bad idea to reach out. Even though telehealth is the primary means of delivering therapy, uh, it works quite well, actually. And I've been doing quite a bit of it with people, and it works very, very well. So just reaching out to a therapist is sometimes a really good idea. Um, Social isolation, if you just look at it, it's basically in, in raw form. The, the absence of social relationships, and it's, it's really distinct from solitude, which is simply uh, the state of being alone, but social isolation really occurs in solitude or in the, or in the vicinity of others, but you're isolated from others, and, and, you know, solitude is kind of peaceful. It can be chosen uh it can be healthy or unhealthy i guess for some people but social isolation describes an unwanted and often harmful experience and a person may be experiencing social isolation and 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 the effects of social isolation by uh in in avoiding social interaction with shame and depression or uh, you know don't have a job don't have money having to ask people for things that you normally did not have to ask people um spending uh a lot of time alone this this anxiety uh is created, and a fear of abandonment, which many people have an enormous fear of abandonment you know if you ask people <clears throat> what they're afraid of in their life is to die alone to die alone and and uh People in social isolation have very limited superficial social contact as you see on Facebook and things where people are just trying to create entertainment for themselves. Um, and then there's a the lack of important social or professional relationships for many people, especially if your friends were at work and all of a sudden you've, you've lost your job. And so there's this severe uh, distress and loneliness that people can, uh, that can affect them. And, and so, what is also, we have to look at what is emotional isolation? And that occurs when someone is unable or unwilling to share their emotions with others. And that's a trouble with people that are attending church uh, these days via the Internet. They're not able to connect in an emotional way with other people. And so they uh, people may be reluctant to discuss anything, but the most superficial thing, obviously, this virus was what most people bring up. And without emotional support, people feel shut down and they feel numb. And so this isolation of emotions uh usually occurs because of social isolation, yet a person may feel emotionally isolated despite having a social network. Even though uh, the relationships are there, they may not be deep and meaningful to a person. Um, You know, to someone in an intimate relationship, they can still experience emotional isolation. One or both partners may feel alone within the relationship. You know, I've always said this Marriage, when it's not working, is the loneliest place in the universe. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to uh, define a little bit more about isolation, and then we're going to go into its effect on people's genders and effect on people's life in general and their sex and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, come back.
0: Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the effects of isolation on the mind. And, um, you know, if you look at age and isolation, um, Cigna, the insurance company, took a survey of American adults. And this is what they claim, that loneliness has reached epidemic levels. And this is prior to the virus, by the way. And uh, it's, it's, this, just in America, 43% of Americans report they often feel isolated from other people. For, this is regular. This is our regular life, in our regular life, not in the virus. 27% feel they don't have people who truly understand them. And 47% do not have a meaningful in-person social interaction, such as quality time with their family on a daily basis. And so research has suggested that isolation Is highest at both ends of the lifespan. It peaks in adolescence and young adulthood. And and then if if you look at the Z generation, which is uh, the the lost generation, which is the loneliest generation, that's usually between 18 to 20 years old. um, These families, uh, especially if they have advanced careers, isolation will often decline. But if their parents have very uh, busy careers, and the people in their life have busy, busy careers, they can be very, very, very lonely. But as people pass middle age, and this is from the survey of Cigna, uh, isolation can increase. And so uh, AARP found that 35% of Americans over 45 are lonely. And then uh, lonely individuals tend to be more isolated. Lonely people are less likely to be involved in community activities such as attending uh, religious services, volunteering. And the isolation often peaks in a second time as people reach their senior years. And so spouses and friends often die over time. And and among elders, uh, mobility and other health impairments can make it difficult to reach out to others. Um, You know, in 2014, there was a survey that was taken uh, by Cigna that 26, uh, 26% of people over the age of 65 lived alone. Now, the role of gender in isolation really can be complex because men tend to be more isolated than women. And um, about one in eight males have no close friends and about 51% have two or fewer close friends. And despite isolation, men are less likely to admit feeling lonely. Um, there was a study in 2012 that found men were not only more socially isolated than women, but however, women and men reported similar satisfaction with their social support network. So. Um the study authors uh, uh, suggest the discrepancy is due to the gender socialization. Men may have been reluctant to admit they were lonely for fear of showing vulnerability. And so some research uh, has called it toxic masculinity, with they may have restricted norms about how men should think and feel, and that can play a role in a in, uh, male's isolation. Uh, you know, here in the Western culture, uh, socialized men, uh, are, uh, supposed to be tough and stoic, even as at the expense of emotional connection. And then there's uh, homophobia, and hopefully that's all starting to go away, but that could deter men from seeking out friendships with other men. And then there's sexism that may cause them to devalue friendships with women. And then we have, of course, these days, the Me Too movement that came out, and that kind of knocked everything upside down, which needed to, and uh, created a lot of interesting factors. And so that's starting to hopefully balance itself out through better Uh, defined guidelines and policies with corporations who don't want to be sued. Um, And there's also this cultural and social factors that can isolate uh, women. When women are more uh, the minority at work or at school, they often feel left out. And so there's a consistency in research that finds that motherhood can be really isolating. And in most families, child rearing is disproportionately falls to the women. So recovering from childbirth can really isolate a woman as the demands of breastfeeding, the logistics of bottle feeding, the physical challenges of traveling with an infant, and then there's sleep uh, deprivation. And this motherhood-related isolation can be a risk factor for postpartum depression. As a matter of fact, it often contributes to that. And uh, so there's a study in 2013 that suggests reducing isolation and loneliness among new mothers can lower their risk of postpartum depression. So that is a good thing. You know, a person's gender may also be a risk factor for isolation when they don't identify with a... uh, dominant model of a gender. So, people who are are gender fluid or non-binary may feel isolated or lonely, especially when people around them don't accept or understand their gender or their preferences. So, social media, you know, promises to help people be more connected. That's one of the good things that it offers. Um, However, what people do is they often put a ego-based facade out there that is not really who they are, it's just a part of who they are, and it's a representation of the best parts of them, hopefully. Some people not, but, um, you know, basically what they do is they put their best foot forward, which is a good thing, um, but it's also kind of like going fishing, um, you know, you're hoping to uh, trick trick people into uh, connecting with you and only to find that you're not the same person that you represent yourself to be. So, So that's the sad part about social media. And also, uh, it it replaces in-person connectedness. So people already have a hard time communicating. Um, People have a hard time having a conversation or having even a meaningful conversation uh, simply because they're so used to being hiding behind social media of some type, texts, um, uh, emails, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've known people... um, ask for a divorce via text. I mean, it's pretty amazing how people use social media to communicate with even the person that's maybe uh, upstairs and you're downstairs. That people don't just connect anymore. And so that's a sad thing. And it's going to affect us universally as people, as how we evolve in life if we continue to isolate ourselves, and I'm not just talking about in the times we're in, but if we continue to isolate ourselves more and more behind social media, we are social creatures. We do have to socialize. Otherwise, we find that we uh, fall back on the worst of ourselves. So uh, once again, we talk about heart disease. We talk about high blood pressure, uh, coronary artery um You know, there's a good risk of of, uh, disabilities, and there's also the dementia and and the depression and anxiety and low self-esteem that comes with this, and sometimes if it's forced on you, like we're in these days, some people can be traumatically affected. Now, what does this thing do, this isolation? What does it do to people's sex life? Well, there's a lot of strong predictions that at the end of the year, uh, hospitals are going to be not full of coronavirus, but being full of babies. And so, if, if you're a pediatrician, this is a really good day and age for you. And so, you know, if, um, with the prospect of staying indoors during coronavirus, um, how we for, form relationships, navigate sex and intimacy is also going to change. You know, not everyone lives with a sexual partner. You know, And so they may leave home and meet up with someone to have sex uh, when they aren't a member of your household. That, that might um, violate some social distancing protocols. Um, <laughs> you know, what social distancing is, is it's limiting the number of people you come into close contact with. And so this applies to sexual relations with others, especially people outside of your home. Even if you don't have stent symptoms, staying home can be the difference between life or death uh, for another person. So if you're, you're a carrier of the virus and uh, you spread it through, you know, it spreads through respiratory droplets through close contact. And so guess what? You know, casual sex is uh, very close contact and that can cause some really big Uh, problems. This could be a life and death decision for somebody who has sex with other people. You know, um, it's good to stay connected through the phone, through video, online methods. If you have to do your sex stuff, do it that way. Um, At least it's healthier than you uh, going to find someone and exposing yourself to a possible uh, coronavirus or any other disease that they may pass. You know, um, Uh, it was funny because uh, New York City's uh, public health department went crazy a couple weekends ago and outlining specifically how to enjoy sex while preventing the spread of COVID. <laughs> so so it, it's really important to understand that it spreads through uh, saliva or mucus, and uh, that direct contact can really hurt hurt people. It can it can give them the virus. And so uh, they also talk about hygiene. Uh, uh, New York uh, City talks about hygiene, uh, f- f- being in your home, being mindful. Even if you live with your partner, you may want to skip sex if anyone has been not been feeling well. And so that affects people's life. It's a real bummer. You know, a lot of people are taking this really serious and a lot of people are not informed or, or, or uh, they're scared and don't have the tools of what to do. So when making the choice to move sex online, it's important to be educated and informed about how to do that safely number one and financially because a lot of people out there are trying to take advantage sexually of the times that we're in by uh, displaying themselves on that on the internet and making people pay for it. You know uh, you know' it's, it's a good opportunity to assess what is it that I want and need. And how can I approach this, engaging with people online in a meaningful way where your intent is clear? You know, if if the cyber sex stuff is there for you, ease into it. Don't see, you know? See what's comfortable because, like I said, people can take great advantage of your uh, the lack of thinking while you're in a sexual um, uh, mood. So you can, you know, start uh, sexting and then send pictures and then move over to video if that's what you feel. But you need to establish your boundaries around what sex looks like in the communication. And uh, I guess, you know, from what I hear, sexting can be really exciting because it's a way to explore your fantasies and scenarios. But, you know, you you must ensure you've had a discussion around consent and privacy and decide whether concealing your identity is important, especially with photos. You know, you have to be so careful because that stuff can go everywhere out there. And it does. People take great advantage of that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, if you are free of symptoms and social distancing, then there's no reasons why you cannot continue to have, you know, sex with your partner uh, when you live together. And if your sex life is rather, rather more bohemian, <laughs> uh, you may not want to be mixing with others right now. So, you know, I would advise against that kind of a lifestyle because it's at risk. And so, uh, you know, many, if you look from a biblical perspective, now we're jumping from, uh, sex to the Bible, boy, that's a big jump. Um, but not, because there's a lot of involvement of sex in the Bible. <laughs> so let's look from a biblical perspective. Um, many people st- um, miss the, the importance of, of Jesus' solitude and silence. You know, uh, a, a lot of people need to understand that this is exactly what Jesus did. Uh, When he prayed and when he went off and had a dialogue with God is he would spend a lot of time socially isolated uh, once for 40 days and be able to begin to cultivate a dialogue with God in which it helped him define the purpose of his living here. And that is exactly what we need to do with our social our social isolation in many ways is to form a different relationship with our lives. Maybe it's not just God but with our lives. And use the solitude as as a time to really convene on our passions and begin to discover, What are we here for? What is it that we need to be doing for other people? How is it that we can be helping other people in in their lives in a real, real way with real gifts that we have? And and so, you know, we can do that from home. There's many things that can be done from home. Uh, Like I said, uh, I'm working from home doing therapy, which is wonderful, and 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 you just make it work, and it does work. And when people accept that that's what you have to do, they make it work, and it's really not that different than being in person, which is cool. But my gift is to help people, and that's what I'm doing, and I'm still finding the ways to do that. Uh, I find the way to do that here on the show, hopefully, and reaching your life, you know. um, But it's important to, to to you know, look at Jesus and and, and understand that, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of solitude in the Bible. There's a lot of necessity of solitude, and it also creates often very good words of wisdom in our life. And it can help us block out the things that don't fit and re-add the things that do fit and bring in the new. And And, and now we're starting to, I think, if people like are on Facebook or something like that, Many people are starting to glimpse into other people's lives and maybe find ways that they can add what they do with their life into their life. You know, there's so many gifts that we all have and and can give each other if we just allow it and open ourselves up to giving. If you're depressed, giving once a day, giving to another person in a way that's meaningful is very important for your health. It's huge. It can be as simple as, and and I hear stories of this all the time, is going to Starbucks, you drive in and you buy for the person behind you. And if you buy for the person behind you, guess what they oftentimes end up doing? Buying for the person behind them. And that can go on for hours and hours and hours. But that means people are giving to each other and that's a very important component of life is giving to other people. And when we do that, we lift ourselves out and we define meaning in our life. And being socially isolated, there are ways to give without hurting ourselves, without overcompensating. There's so many ways that we can help other people. You know, starting a prayer wall is a great way to do that. Uh, Teaching people yoga on the internet is a great thing if you can do that. Teaching people how to meditate, if you're really good at that. Do that so people can really understand what they can turn social isolation into solitude, into peace. Very meaningful things. You know, um, basically, you know, Jesus withdrew from the disciples and large crowds quite frequently. And that was one of the most important components of his life was his prayer life. And how that was able to give to himself in order for him to give to others. That was his way of of powering up. And we can use this time to do that, to power up our own lives in meaningful ways. Um, You know, if it's writing, you know, I, I just finished the book, A Good Book of Mental Hygiene that I wrote. And that book. Um, it just kind of came out of me, and I literally believe that it was God talking through me. It wasn't me writing it, because it it's just doesn't sound like me. When, but it, when I read it, it, it's really got a lot of great tools in it. But what I'm trying to say is that pushing that book out there uh, has been really fun and really helpful in a way that people have really good dialogues with each other. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how we can help ourselves, how we can be healthy, and how we can heal. So come back.
0: Change your world. Change your life.
1: VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: One couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives.
1: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest... Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about this uh, social isolation and its effects on people's mind. You know, as as people uh, isolate, the risks of mental health issues like depression, dementia, low self-esteem. These can really come forward in a very strong way. But also. You have uh, people that have intense loneliness uh, even feel more isolated because of their depression. So people that are walked into this virus with these issues already, those issues are now being exacerbated. And, you know, extreme isolation can have enormous catastrophic effects on people's mental health because humans are are social animals and we, we need human contact to thrive and sometimes even survive. So, for instance, and this is a scientific fact, infants who don't get enough physical contact may fail to thrive and die. Inmates held in solitary confinement, especially for extended periods of time, may experience hallucinations, insomnia, PTSD, um, difficulty telling time. I mean, I have difficulty telling what day it is. I mean, I don't even know what day it is many days. I'm just like, okay, it's another day. What's my calendar? <laughs> so, um, By the way, more than 80,000 men, women, and children are held in solitary confinement just in America prisons and jails. You know, if, if you have a loved one that's experiencing isolation, You know, it's a good thing to try to find them a therapist, find them a mental health professional that can treat their mental health issues which contribute to the situation. That's the big deal. If it's someone they can connect with that doesn't uh, affect their social status and has confidentiality where they can say anything. That allows a person to be free and to roam through their mind and actually take all of the stuff that's in the back of their mind and their subconscious and lay it out to the conscious for them to evaluate. And this isolation is such a good time to do uh, self-isolation, not isolation, but self-evaluation by understanding what is in my head. But you don't know what's in your head until you say it. I mean, you know, but you don't know. It's not clearly defined that it's out there and and taking up your headspace. And things that take headspace cause fear. And fear, it goes against life. Life is a faith-based venture. That means we take leaps of faith on a continuous basis. We are experiential learners. We learn from experience. And so it's very important for us to continue to live in faith and not fear. When fear enters, faith leaves. When faith enters, fear leaves. And so it's important to grab in that and understand that, because the more you live in fear, the more you go against the flow of life. You know, wh- what do you want to do if you're going to self-quarantine uh, or isolate? You know, while it's scary being told to self-quarantine or self-isolate, it's important to keep in mind that the vast majority of people who have uh, contracted this COVID virus uh, are... are um, have um, experienced mild symptoms similar to the common cold or flu and have recovered fully. But, you know, if you, you, you know, say that the virus can be fatal for those who are considered high risk. And so that's why it's very important that we take the necessary steps to prevent the virus from spreading. And there's ways to protect yourself. Um, Number one, stay home, limit your, your out of home activity, to medical care, don't go to the school, don't go to work. You should also avoid public transportation, ride sharing, taxis. You know, if you need groceries, try using a, a delivery service where your food can be dropped off. I know that many of you have already gone down this road, but it's so important to be creative. Um, it's also important, by the way. To try to keep yourself in one room as much as possible. So if you live with roommates or family members, you should also use a separate bathroom if that's possible. Now you know it's kind of weird. Um, they t- some people wear masks, other people don't. Uh, if you have a virus or you're sick, having a mask is only going to exacerbate it. So um, you know. <laughs> It's really important if you're sick. Don't keep it blocked up to where you're breathing your own virus. You're just creating more, uh, more of a problem for yourself. The other thing is strangely, uh, and, and most of us love our cats and dogs, but but pets can carry the coronavirus. Um, they've even said that a tiger had it. Um, from what I understand, um, though, you know, there's not a lot of confirmed reports of. The, the, the pets transmitting stuff to, to humans. But it's really recommended that people um, that are sick limit contact, especially with the virus, limit contact with animals. So if you have an animal and you have coronavirus, it's not a good idea to stay in contact with your animal because they may get it from you. And, and also, if, if you have a virus of any kind, you know, avoid spreading germs. Don't share dishes, utensils, towels personal items with other people in the household because after using those items, um, they need to be washed with soap and water and 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 in every way possible because you could connect the virus to the other people. Also keeping your hands, if you're going to do uh, washing your hands, they recommend, especially if it's with soap and water, to go about 20 uh, seconds. And if the soap aren't available, use alcohol-based uh, sanitizers if you can. And also flat surfaces. Flat surfaces are uh, high-touch surfaces like countertops, doorknobs, toilets, phones, keyboards. Using uh, household cleaners and wipes uh, may be helpful, but what you really want to do is sanitize. Sanitize as much as this. Now, here is the most important part, especially for your mental health, is to exercise and stay active. And that'll keep you both mentally and physically healthy during this this time. So you, if you exercise, it can reduce elevated cortisol levels as well as trigger the release of endorphins. It boosts your overall mood and happiness. You know, I myself, I, I uh, have a Peloton and I go at least uh, an hour and 20, if not an hour and a half every day on that Peloton. It's so important to do that, uh, to get yourself prepared for the day either in the morning before you go to work or after work, or, uh, and let yourself just kind of break it out. Very important for people to do that kind of stuff. Take care of yourself with exercise. It also helps your brain, and and uh, uh, um, you know also stay in contact with your friends. There, there's a lot of research that says quality time with people. I hear a lot of people that are in small prayer groups or small groups. Um, are doing a lot of FaceTime with each other. That's a very cool thing to do, or Facebooking, or doing conference calls like through Zoom or whatever, Skype, whatever they do it with. But um, video chat and phone calls are good. Phone calls are not as healthy as a video chat because a video chat, you actually get all the clues about what's going on with that person just by seeing them. And so it really helps. But the biggest part of staying healthy during this whole thing is, is to monitor your symptoms. If you find your symptoms are worsening, you really need to call your doctor. Reach out to a, to a virtual twenty-four by seven care team if you need to. You know, uh, um, uh, try to avoid going to a medical office or a healthcare facility unless you're directed to by that provider. But you know, if you're experiencing a medical emergency, of course you want to call nine one one. But there, there. You, if you can, and do consultation um, via uh, video, you're going to help yourself hopefully, and they'll be able to identify uh, some of your symptoms and all the stuff that's going on. Even if you're not experiencing the COVID uh, symptoms, it's important to follow those measures and and and, uh, and do this through the entire quarantine process. Now, unemployment. Let's look at that because that's here we are. I don't know how many, 22 million people I heard, but maybe even more are unemployed. You know, here's how to make peace with it. I know all of us have been through pockets of unemployment at some point or another. Not everybody, but most people have. But the first thing is to make peace with it. And except you've been, you, you've been put off recently, you've been unemployed Um, And maybe you've been unemployed for a long period of time prior to the virus, but now you feel like you have no hope at all because uh, the virus has going to change the entire work environment. But, you know, this is a good time to form skill sets that you haven't had or can add to yourself and make yourself a better person. You know, if you're losing your hope, your assurance and sleep and you're wondering if you'll ever find work anymore, um, you know, you, you. your pain and concern is, is important. But if you've been uh, going through uh, the ups and downs of, of this world today, you're going to find the opportunities for you and take advantage of those healthy opportunities for you to learn. If you do hard, it makes your life easier. Very important. And it's really important to reach out to, to unemployed people in this virus. Those people are hurting. They're scared. And once again, there's really no deadline out there for these people when this is going to end. And then they don't know what's going to happen with their employment. And they don't know if they're going to be brought back. And, um, you know, uh, if you've been out for a long time, um, you know, this, this uh, stimulus thing that the government gave us is not going to get everybody through it. Um, $1,200 is not going to knock out everyone's bills. It's just not going to do it. And unemployment can be slow because they don't have the staffing. And so uh, it's really going to take a lot to get this world back up and running. But it's really important these days um, to build an online presence and and create maybe your own blog about something you like. Share your experiences from, from your standpoint. Uh, Many people may ask for your advice if you can take a competent position and a competent position on some topic and, and share your story. And that may get you in contact with somebody who can help you. Also, volunteer. You know, if you can volunteer in some way. Uh, during, you know, this kind of time is not easy to volunteer, but there are things you could do to volunteer, like putting things together for the military, putting things, packages together for people uh, to, to care for people. Um, there are ways to give, and, and you can do that. And, and, and you know, if you um, do meetups online with other people, they may be able to indicate how you can help them do something that's very helpful. Also, you know, it, it demonstrate to an employer, if you can during this time, that you're proactive and that you are ready to come back and contribute to them, making sure, especially if you've had a job, that you're looking forward to coming back. You're really wanting to get this job back and be again to make money. And, and possibly during this time, you could start a business. I mean, look at all these people that do businesses. They just create a virtual shop online, uh, they tie themselves to Amazon or they tie themselves to eBay or tie themselves to some other vehicle, and suddenly their business takes off. And it may be that you're just a middleman, and when people are ordering, they're ordering from a manufacturer's warehouse, but you're getting a profit from what uh, they're buying. So that is something that's very good for people to do, doesn't always uh, take a lot of money. Also, um, you know, it's important to to really hone down what are your goals and learn a new skill. Depending on your field, if you learn a new skill in the field you're in, you're oftentimes going to find yourself more valuable than you were before. And uh, you have to understand also that the hiring process that we're about to come into after the virus is going to be enormously different than what it was before for a uh, matter of fact most of it's probably going to be virtual and, and so that's going to be a really interesting uh, process that we're going to go through as we transition but the biggest part of this isolation and the biggest part of being unemployed is that you stay positive and I know it's hard to stay positive but you know stress comes from fear and that's not what we need and and you know This must be, and and what you might want to do is say, this will be the last month I struggle and repeat that to yourself. This will be the last month I struggle and say it repeatedly and repeatedly until your mind actually grasps it and comes to grips with the fact. All right, that's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You could do that through our voiceamerica.com webpage, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology on the Empowerment Channel. Now, remember, bank teller is going to be the most traumatic job because all the customers coming into the bank are going to be wearing a mask. Also, given the toilet paper paper, uh, stockpiling, we all may be dead soon but have the cleanest buttholes. Also, after this virus is over, with people eating, grazing, eating three square meals, the economy is going to boom with people having to buy a whole new wardrobe size. And also, it figures the gas prices are down for once in a lifetime and you can't go anywhere. Thanks for listening. That's our show for
0: this week.